have a few people at the moment who are wanting to be baptised. So I thought, look, it'd be good to bring a message about baptism. What is baptism all about to the congregation? So that's what we're looking at today, the topic of baptism. Just let uh, people finish off here. I think, yep, that offering's done. How about we have a word of prayer? Father, we want to give you thanks, Lord, that uh, you are the almighty God. You've given us... Um, tremendous teachings and uh, we're never left in the dark about what you expect of us you've given us all manner of scripture and here today as we look especially at uh, the gospels and the book of acts to learn what the early church believed about baptism uh, father we pray you'd speak to each one in jesus name amen um baptisms um something that um i've, I've got so many distinct Memories of conducted a lot of baptism services over the years, in all sorts of uh, different ways and places. Um, let me mention a few of them to you. The very first baptism service I conducted was um, in a beautiful little beachy area called Boat Harbour. Let's have a quick look at the image of it here. So there it is. It's the actual beach. Now the um, there were three girls that wanted to be baptised. So all about seventeen. I was quite a new Christian myself got saved when I was about 22. I was probably about 23, nearly 24 at this time, conducting my first baptism service or involved in my first baptism service. I'd been preaching around a few youth groups. Anyway, these three 17-year-olds wanted to be baptised. And uh, they had some ideas, though, about how they wanted their baptism service to take place. And one was at daybreak in this beach. And I think it was either end of August or early September. And uh, so we all drove out very early in the morning and uh, we arrived at the beach and it was just starting to get light and so they wanted to wade out in the water. So we did. It was light, but the sun certainly hadn't risen. We stood there for about five minutes. It was very, very cold. And I said, actually, you know, ladies, it could be a while. I reckon before the sun actually rises, should we go back to the beach for a bit? And they said, no, 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 we, we might miss the moment. So we stood there for another five minutes. Teeth were starting to chatter. We stood there for another five minutes. Lips were turning blue. It's nearly 20 minutes before the sun finally rose. <laughs> so that was one of those environments. And um, uh, it's a lovely service, though, and we uh, kind of came back into the beach after the, um, uh, the baptism. And I tell you what, it was so cold so cold, a sea lion came up out of the big black sea lion, came up out of the water, lay back on the beach. Even he was fine in the water too cold. <laughs> and someone said, and they were all sealed with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he had to be there. <laughs> I'll tell you another one. This is not just, all, all those girls grew up in the church. Let me give you one that's completely the opposite. And this is a very hot day. And it was also at a beach, but these guys had certainly did not have a church background. Uh, one guy we'd led to Christ called Mick, and he was on the run from the law. He'd burnt down a shopping centre. Uh, and um, anyway, we'd got to know him, we'd shared the gospel with him, I'd started discipling him, and he got to that point where he decided he needed to turn himself in. But he said, before um, you know, I go and talk with the police... Um, I'll almost certainly be sentenced. I'll end up in prison for a time. Could you guys baptise me before 
I go. And so he was one of the guys being baptised, Mick. There's another guy being baptised who'd almost killed himself on drugs. And the person filming it all, had he'd already been baptised, recently come to faith in Christ, but he was a Satanist priest, had been before I led him to Christ. So it was quite an interesting crew at that particular baptism, memorable for that reason. A third one, um, which um, is uh, memorable for a couple of reasons. One, it was the day I married my wife. This is Pamela. She's in the yellow top today. Um, but uh, at our wedding ceremony, uh, we, we had a, an outdoor one. We had a bunch of musos, so did a bunch of worship songs for a while. Then the MC, David, he got up and talked for a while. And um, yeah, while David was talking, Pamela's mother comes running over to him. It's all on film. David, David. Gene's lost the bridal car. He doesn't know where he is. And so the, my brother-in-law had picked up Pamela and the bridesmaids and he got lost, right? <laughs> so we have this frantic little moment. And so I thought, well, because our ceremony was that we were about through everything, so I thought, ah, oh, well, there's a lot of unchurched people here. I might just get up and preach. So I did. By, when we had our um, reception... Two of the guys there shared their testimonies and there was a pool at the reception, so I baptised them there and then at the wedding. <laughs> I have many other stories, but uh, why are we talking about baptism? Why is baptism important? Uh, well, it says in Matthew's Gospel, 28, 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus said to his disciples, as you share the gospel, as you make disciples, one of the things I want you to do is baptize them. It was Jesus' expectation. So the first thing I learned about baptism is this. Number one, baptism is commanded by Jesus. Baptism is commanded by Jesus. Now, when someone is baptised, there is a couple of things that must precede that baptism. First one is this. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. Whoever believes and is baptised. Faith. I don't mean just a general belief in God, but I mean a saving faith, a faith that Jesus Christ truly is the divine Son of God, that he died on the cross for the sins of humanity. He rose from the dead, and you can know him today. That sort of faith, that must come first. Another thing that must come first is this, Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So the second thing that must be there is repentance. I was chatting with... Um, uh, Buffy and Carter about baptism and I said what do you think repentance means and Carter how old's Carter 16 16 yeah and Carter says um, when I asked the question what is repentance and he says it's um, turning away from your sins and that's very much part of what it is one of the ways you can define repentance is by saying it's actually about a change of mind, change of thinking, and a change of heart. It's a change of direction. So when someone has repented, it's as if the individual could be walking in this direction, doing their own thing or someone else's thing. To repent is actually to turn around and start walking in the direction God wants you to walk in, living your life as he teaches. 
So number two, faith and repentance precede baptism. Our second point, faith and repentance precede baptism. Now, how were people baptized in the early church? Well, let's have a look here. Acts um, 8.36 is a passage, but let me give you the context of this. Uh, so a very important official, a tr treasurer to Queen Candace of Ethiopia, had gone to Jerusalem to learn more about the Almighty God, and he'd purchased a scroll of Isaiah. And he was on his, on his way back to Ethiopia, and he's having the scroll read to him. Uh, now, he's an important official, so he'd have been with an entourage of people. And uh, as he's hearing it read, Philip is led by the Holy Spirit to go up to the chariot. And Philip asks the question, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, no, not unless someone can explain it to me. Philip hops up in the, the chariot, explains the gospel to him, and this Ethiopian guy gives his heart to Jesus. Let's pick the story up here in verse 36. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. You notice how it describes it. Now, I don't know where the location was. We're not told. It could have been the Wadi of Egypt, for instance. They may well have to have crossed, crossed over that to get where they needed to go, back to Ethiopia. But anyway, probably a stream. And so they cross over a body of water, and it says... They stopped the chariot and they walked down into the water. And then they walked up out of the water. So a reasonable size, uh, big enough body of water you could walk down into it. Now, what it tells us is simply this, is that it seems from the reading of that, baptism was probably by immersion. Because if it was sprinkling, for instance, um, they could have just stopped the chariot anywhere. I mean, he'd have been travelling with plenty of water because they're going through desert regions. So they could have conducted a ceremony just alongside the chariot anyway. But they waited until they came to a body of water. And so for a careful reading of Scripture, it does seem that the early church baptised people by immersion. And in fact, the Greek New Testament chose a word for baptism which would also indicate that. Let me read it to you. The noun, baptisma consisting of the process of immersion, submersion, and emergence from bapto to dip. So they could have chosen a word that meant sprinkle. They didn't. They chose a word that meant dip. Again, leaning towards the early church, probably baptised people by immersion. Um, now, a lot of churches do do it that way, but some churches don't. Um, many Anglican ceremonies or Presbyterian ceremonies or Uniting Church ceremonies, Methodists in other countries, will actually do a, will, will lean towards sprinkling as the way they baptise people. Um, but the interesting thing is, to quote from some of their great leaders, I'm going to quote uh, from Nicky Gumbel, Anglican minister um, and uh, key spokesman for that fantastic course, Alpha. Um, Nicky, when he talks about the Greek word, this is what he actually says. I'm quoting Nicky Gumbel. Verb, the verb baptizo, to baptize, was used among the Greeks to signify the dying of a garment. So you know, how do you dye a garment? You've got to submerge it, don't you? You've got to put it down in the water. Um, and Nicky, well, he's happy to baptize people by immersion if they ask for that. 
But uh, normally he would sprinkle people because it's part of their church culture, the Anglican church culture. I'm going to quote someone else, a great Bible commentator, uh, still read uh, regularly today. He passed away some years ago, quite a few years back now, but his name's William Barclay. He's from a sprinkling denomination. Uh, But he nevertheless, commenting on the very passage I was just reading, in his Bible commentary on the book of Acts, he says this, To these early Christians, baptism was, wherever possible, by immersion. And so why do we dunk people rather than sprinkle them? It's just simply because we think, as far as we can see from Scripture, that's the way the early church did it. And I actually think it's a more powerful symbol than sprinkling as well. You don't get saved in little spots. It's the whole person that is saved. Um, I'll I'll just read this too, because we actually don't link baptism and membership together in our church. Um, So a baptism by immersion is not a prerequisite at our church for membership. But if you are from a tradition that has a different practice for baptism, um, we do believe it's important that you've made a public stand for Christ as a believer in keeping with your church heritage. So in other words, you can become a full member of the church. Um, If as an Anglican, you may have been sprinkled as a child, which was your baptism, but then you went to a confirmation um, uh, ceremony as it might be a teenager or young adult where you said, look, I've I've decided to follow Jesus. So we we consider that um, acceptable because baptism is actually about making a public stand that I've chosen to believe in Jesus. Number three, As far as I can see, the early church baptised people by immersion. The early church baptised people by immersion. Now, what does baptism symbolise? Let's have a look here at Colossians 2.12. It says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Let me read it again. Having been buried with him in baptism, with Jesus, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So in other words, the symbol of baptism, that particular verse links it to Jesus. He was buried in the tomb, he rose from the dead. And the symbol is something like this. As one is dunked under the water, you're saying goodbye to the old life, it's a symbol of that. Putting off the old life, you're coming out of the water, putting on the new life, the new life of following Jesus. Can I suggest this? Number four, Baptism symbolised dying to self and new life in Christ. Baptism symbolised dying to self and new life in Christ. But I need to be quick to say, baptism is not just a ritual. Uh, Just like people might say of marriage sometimes, I've never bothered to get married, why bother? It's just a bit of paper. Well, actually, no, it's a covenant before God. It's far more than that, and it's a covenant with one another. Baptism's not just a little ceremony. It actually, I believe, has spiritual uh, implications. Let me uh, give you a few examples of this. I had a friend of mine, uh, Victor, and uh, he was going along to my church at Crossway South, And uh, he'd been going for about 18 months, regular attender at the church. Uh, Victor was from a Dutch Reform background and so was sprinkled as a child and therefore didn't see any need to be baptised. However, he was listening to Life FM one day and the message was on baptism and he felt he needed to be baptised. So he came and had a chat with me. Um, And so we did a study and uh, the day came where he was baptised. 
Now, the interesting thing, Victor was regular at church but was not involved in any level of ministry. One of the things I found fascinating is after he was baptised, he then started to get involved. He joined our setup team, um, which was fairly complicated because although we, um, uh, we later owned a sports centre where we did a lot of our midweek stuff, our Sunday service setup was a theatre which we hired usually just for the Sunday. So it was a lot of setup, pack up, a lot of work. Uh, he joined that team. After a while, the guy heading up that team wanted to head up evangelism in our church, a chap called Jamo, which he did, and Victor then took on the setup team. And, uh, and he, then he also started making all manner of props for our church. We used to do some fairly dynamic productions as an outreach, and he would make a ton of props for us. He also did a heap of uh, renovation sort of stuff at our sports centre. And he was elected onto our leadership. But, you know, all of that change happened after he was baptised. So I just, and I've seen that pattern many times. Baptism could also be a spiritual experience as well, uh, not just a, a sense of you being, it's a step of being more committed to Christ. Sometimes it does include a spiritual experience. For instance, the day I was baptised, I remember um, I'd been saved for about three months and uh, had completed a baptism study and uh, the day the pastor baptised myself and uh, another lady, um, I can still distinctly remember the moment. First of all, I'd only ever seen one other baptism. And so my exclam exclamation as I walked down into the water, I said, oh, it's warm. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> anyway, so I walked down to this baptism pool and uh, he baptised me. In the name of the Father and the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, I baptise you. And as he dunked me under the water and then lifted me back up as I came up out of the water it felt like static electricity just all over my head it was there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit um, still remember saying to, to Kim as we're back in the behind the baptistry uh, about to get changed I said phew it's over it's the first time I'd ever stood up in front of the church to speak because I'd shared my testimony never done that before and my hand was just shaking the whole time and I, and I say, so I say to Kim, oh, phew, it's over. And he says, no, 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 it's just beginning. It's just beginning. <laughs> um, another one that I distinctly remember a guy had an encounter with the Holy Spirit was um, uh, a couple called Jenny and Craig. Yeah, really, Jenny and Craig. I used to remember their names. Jenny Craig. Yeah, Jenny and Craig. They came along to our uh, church at a Christmas outreach production, gave their lives to Christ, and the day came when they were baptised. And so there were six people being baptised that day. But Craig, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, a trout, for those that do a bit of fishing, jump out of the water and grab a dragonfly or a grasshopper and snap him. Well, this guy, I'm about to baptise him, you know. In the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, I'm about to dunk him. And he did that. He just leapt out of my hands. Well, what's going on? Pull him back down. <laughs> so later, because I was doing some discipleship studies with this guy, um, I met with him next week, and he said, at that moment when he says, I baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, so as you said that, I felt like a, a lightning bolt struck the crown of my head and went right through my feet. So I had this deep encounter with the Holy Spirit at that moment. People don't necessarily have a, a spiritual encounter at their baptism, but they can do. They can do. Um, Jesus certainly did. Look at Luke 3.21 here. When all the people 
were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Number five, can I suggest this? Baptism is a spiritual event. Baptism is a spiritual event. Now, there's some other great reasons to be baptized. I'm going to have a look at the um, slightly longer version of Jesus' baptism as recorded in Matthew. It says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. I'll just pause there for a moment. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a humble thing in some ways for Jesus to do this, isn't it? Here he is, the almighty divine son of God, and he's going to be baptized by a prophet, a very significant prophet, but nevertheless, just a, just a man. And here, the almighty divine son of God, nevertheless, chooses to be baptized by him. But can I suggest that baptism always will require a measure of humility, You've heard me say before, the biblical definition of, of humility is not putting yourself down. A biblical definition of humility is actually an absence of self. The person who's humble is focused on God and his work rather than themselves. And yes, if you're feeling really self-conscious, you won't want to be baptized. If you know what I mean, because I, I don't want to stand up in front of a bunch of people. Self-consciousness will stop you being baptized. There needs to be a measure of humility before people will want to be baptized. Verse 16 goes on. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There's a few things within that passage. First of all, we think of uh, where... Jesus himself says it's proper to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So, number six, baptism fulfills righteousness. Baptism fulfills righteousness. Um, you remember at the, the end of the passage, there's this moment where God speaks from heaven, God the Father, and says, um, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. So, baptism must please God the Father. So, number seven, baptism pleases God the Father. And finally, number eight, finally from this passage, of course, baptism was modelled by Jesus. He set the example. He saw it as important enough to set the example. I wonder how soon after conversion should a person be baptised? Well, let's have a look at the scriptures. Acts 2.38 says this. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I asked young Tom, who's uh, 16, when I was completing a baptism study with him after the service last Sunday, how... He read that passage, and I said, how soon do you think the people were baptised um, after they came to faith? And he said, well, it looks like they were baptised immediately, that very day. And that's the general thing we do see in the Scriptures. Mostly people are baptised right away. And so I don't know how we've got out of that pattern, 
But actually waiting for a long time to be baptised, if you're genuinely saved, you've got to be genuinely saved. But actually, biblically, people were baptised in the early church almost immediately. So finally, number nine, generally baptism took place shortly after conversion. Generally baptism took place shortly after conversion. Let me ask you the question, is God calling you to be baptised? Is it something, looking at scriptures, that you should consider? Well, let me know. Register your, your, your interest uh, on the table. There's a couple of things there. If you're interested in membership, let us know. If you're interested in baptism, pop your name down, let us know. And uh, the process is simply, uh, I'll complete a study with you. It takes about 45 minutes. And then we'll have a look at your story, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Just two time, just meeting a couple of times to look at that, those two things. Some of you may have read the book, Heavenly Man. Anyone read that book by Brother Ull? Yeah, just the odd person. Powerful book. Um, in Brother Ull, it's like reading about a modern-day Apostle Paul in China. He got saved in 1974 when he was about 16. And within about four years, he was leading thousands of people to Christ and planting churches um, all over, especially the Hanan uh, province of China. It was difficult, though, because it was illegal to become a Christian. And uh, what they used to do when it came to baptism, they tried to do it at a time when the police wouldn't catch them. Stood it publicly. And so about 12 o'clock midnight in winter, when the police they didn't think would want to get out of their warm beds, they would go down to the river and they would chisel the ice off the river because it gets very cold there. Chisel the ice off the river and baptise them in that scenario. Um, and this could be 100 or 200 people, you know, so you're, you're out there for a while. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had your arms down in that, that sort of temperature water. I have. I tell you what, within about 15 seconds, it feels like knives jabbing into your arm. It is painful being in that water that cold. And yet, one after another, people will be baptised. Usually, uh, usually there'd be one or two hundred people when they would run one of these baptism services. But it wasn't just the icy cold water. They ran the risk of getting court so they could be arrested they could be imprisoned and in prison they could be tortured and that did ultimately happen to some of them uh, when you look at the bold faith of those chinese christians and their willingness to be baptized even in the, the most challenging of circumstances it does remind us that uh, how much more should we in the west make that stand can i pray for you as the worship team returns Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for your scriptures. There is so much great teaching in them. We give you thanks that you are a God who makes things clear. And we pray today that just as we've been hearing about baptism and the scriptures associated with that, uh, for members of our church that um, may not have yet been baptised I just want to pray that you be speaking to each one. And Father, too, for those who are planning on being baptised fairly soon, 
uh, at our church, we want to pray for them, that you'd be preparing their hearts, and this would be just yet another step in their growth in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.